Welcome, this is On and Off the Pitch. I'm Rodney Cyrus, and we have Sophie Lawson joining in the pod chat today. Sophie, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you, Rodney? I'm not too bad. We've had a good little chat before we started, so we feel relaxed. We've kind of let, set the lay of the land. We know what we're going to talk about. Um, before we get into things, I really want you to kind of uh, tell people where we can find you, because I want to say that at the end, but I thought we'd do it at the beginning. But what's your Twitter handle, Sophie, please? Uh, I am at Lawson underscore SV. Brilliant stuff. So please make sure you check out Sophie's tweets. They are absolutely hilarious, uh, definitely to me. It's, it's all about sarcasm. Um, football journalist contributes to The Guardian. Is it all for 11? as well I, I i call it all for xi but i, I have no oh, idea well, yeah. and equalizer equalizer soccer so they're all there check check them out please check them out so look um had planned to talk about um something specific but we're going to go with the topic of the week uh the world cup biennial biennial world cup you know what's what's the issue why is it such a big thing why are fans talking about you know player safety and welfare and why are people up in arms about it what's going on so i'm, I'm going to ask the, the serious question of sophie is it going to be a good thing to have a world cup every two years or is it going to be a bad thing will it damage the players or will it damage the clubs or will it help both it's it's a funny one because you do sort of stumble across people who are um uh, in favor of it and then you like you talk to players and they're like, no, no, no. Mm. Um, it's, I think we start to worry about how much we're hammering players. And, and we definitely see it in the men's game as well. Um, just, you know, you play your club football. You have all your international breaks throughout uh, the winter, throughout the season. That was also something that came up when Gilles was talking to the media yesterday was about windows and, and whatnot. But you know, you put a lot of football th into a player and then when they should be getting their break, you make them play a tournament. Um, and then once that's over, they get a small break and then they're back into pre-season. And so if you're doing this, and I know the, say, we already have the Euros um, and, you know, if you can qualify for the Olympics as well, then you are, you're, you see more wear and tear with, with certain players and, and those who play more. And, and then, you know, you've, their clubs then have to manage loading and make sure that they're eased back into the season, which then gives you the debate of which is more important, club or international. But it it kind of feels with FIFA, and maybe it's just how I feel about FIFA, is whenever they sort of float ideas like this, it's for the benefit of FIFA more than the benefit of the game. And there are, there, there are definitely pros um, to, to having more frequency or more teams or you know, expanded World Cups. But it also kind of feels like there's something special about winning the World Cup if it's every four years, you know, because you generally have to build a squad towards that. If you do it every two years, it, it almost loses a bit of something as well. But I don't know, I, 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 there, people are pro, um, but I, I'm always going to be against it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so if I, if I said to you, you know, you have to decide today, and you had to vote. If they asked you for a vote, yes, every two years, no, just keep it as it is, four years. Which way would you go? No, just, just, just no, just no. You just um, need to go. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird as well. Something Ella said yesterday was, 
you know, like she, she wants people to like vote with their hearts or vote for what's right or something. And it was really weird. It, it was almost like talking to like a mafia boss or something, you know, like, got to do right by the family, <laughs> vote with your hearts or something like it was, it was weird. Like it was a weird thing to say part way through. And like, you know, like, and I'm not suggesting that, you know, that there's any corruption going on in women's football or anywhere in FIFA or anything, although there is corruption in women's football. Um, but like, you know, if you know sort of the scandal that brought down like Blatter and, 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 and Platini and all that stuff, like it's a lot of collusion, a lot of what well, you vote for this way. So when, when she starts saying this stuff, it's a bit like, calm down, just think about what you're saying as well. If you're trying to sell this, make sure you're not inferring things. Yeah, it was, a, it was a strange thing, um, a strange one. Well, I have to be honest, I, I think that I might vote yes, but maybe I don't have all the facts. Why, why would you vote yes? I just think the World Cup's a fantastic thing to watch. I've never been to a World Cup, okay? So there's, there's that. I've always watched the World Cup from afar on TV. Um, I'm always keen, I, I understand from, a, from a, a fan's point of view and a, and a former player of a, of a very limited level, what it is to watch a World Cup from that angle and and enjoy it, and enjoy it. And and I think it would be a good thing, but also there's a, there's a bit in my mind that says, fans would go along with it if it changed. I think fans, I mean, I, I generally think, if, even though they, they, there's, there's, there's this cry that, you know, player welfare, and sometimes when I hear fans say player welfare, I'm thinking, I'm not sure you generally mean player welfare, but okay, we'll take that. That they actually mean anything in terms of the players, because we've not, if we ask this question of the players, not, I would be shocked if a player said they didn't want to play in the World Cup. Yep, they, they, they want to play in World Cups, but I think there's, you know, there's also a limit. Um, it's it's weird because it's it's just an idea that's been tossed around a few times, and you know your your knee jerk reaction if you're on this side of the Atlantic is, uh, you know we've got the Euros right, FIFA what, what are you gonna do there, um, you know I, you know and, and and sort of the talk of what do we do with the Olympics and stuff. I'm a big fan of trying to flesh out more sort of regional tournaments and make more of the Copa America of, of the Asian Cup. And we are, we are getting to a point where the Copa America Femina will not just be a qualification tournament for the World Cup anymore. But I think if you can like build those up, then you can actually have a bigger impact in your confederations and you can actually grow the game more. Um, if, you know, if you're Malawi, you're probably not qualifying for the World Cup, but we have seen them invest recently and do better, you know, in, 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 in African qualifiers. And, you know, it'd be really cool if you make the AFCON a, a bigger thing. And mm, that's kind of where I'm at in terms of what you could do. Uh, you, you know, know what? I'm going to be honest. I'm glad you said that because every single argument that's been against the World Cup for being every two years has been from a Eurocentric point of view. Fact. Because they're not talking about any other, you know, um, organisation saying we will do that. Because if it's Copa America, teams have to release players. Yeah, they carry on. If it's in, in the men's football, if it's African Cup of Nations, teams have to release players. When it's the World Cup, the league stops. The league stops. 
because, you know, we've got to protect our money. So everything stops. So there's already a disadvantage in terms of the world of football. So what, I don't know whether FIFA are going to try and... If they turn around and say every two years and we have to level the playing field in terms of qualification for those countries, then it's a good thing. Because at, at this moment in time, the World Cup tops everything. And those other federations, they never ever get equity in terms of the money that they try to recruit for their competitions. And whether it's the Premier League, not that we're talking about them, the WSL or, you know, European leagues in either Italy, France, Spain, they're not going to be impacted. So there's a bit of me that says, you know, from a, from a kind of like leveling the playing field, if that's the phrase we can use, not taking it from Boris, but you know, um, that it would be a good thing for the women's game overall, not just for the WSL. But that's... I'd say it also depends how you're doing your qualifiers. Obviously, you know, in UEFA, they last a year. Um, you see players coming in and out, and it's a lot more interesting, and it, it you know, it breeds better football. Um, whereas, you know, if you have, say, the Africa Cup of Nations, your qualifier, or the Cup of America as your qualifier, or the Asia Cup, that's that's condensed right down. Yes, you've got your qualification, your preliminary rounds that a lot of teams don't make it through, but you know, like if uh, so, if even worse, if you have like a team on the cusp and they're missing their star player for that one month, then that could you know affect. But you know, if if we have more more qualifiers like we do in UEFA, that would be kind of, for me. That would be really interesting. Is if you had the qualifiers throughout a year, and that again would help kind of grow and give different um, opportunities for different players, different teams, um, instead of just one month um, to to qualify or not. And, you know, if we do do this every two year World Cup, then you're just endlessly going to be qualifying for the World Cup, no matter what, like, you're going to be qualifying for World Cup or playing it or qualifying or playing it or not playing it if you miss out, as a lot of teams do. <laughs> so, <laughs> need a break somewhere. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's I don't know. I, I, I also, the worry in football as well is, I think a lot of us are kind of set in our ways with stuff, um, with rules and the way things are. And it's very easy to just say, well, that's the way it's always been. That's the right way of doing things when it's not. But we're a little close-minded to it. However, the right way of doing things is a World Cup every four years. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't want to just be that reactionary, but no, we have it every four years for it. It's every four years. But yeah, then you, like, I just think when you like keep filling around stuff like the handball and stuff, then maybe you should lean on the well, that's the way it's always been because it sometimes doesn't fail you. <laughs> no, I do I, try and keep my mind open despite what how it seems. Yeah, I I I, I probably will change my mind again, uh, even though I'm saying you know what's wrong with every two years. Um, and one of the the things that kind of came to mind, and I let's get this let's get this tweet or message up. It's from Hope Powell. Or it wasn't from. It was under the Brighton. Uh, Twitter handle Brighton uh, Football Club. There it is. Let's see this. And um, 10 of their members are going to play for their countries. And Hart Powell says the experience will make them better players when they return. And it made me think about when we talk about the World Cup every two years 
so many of the fans in, let's say, the WSL that I know of uh, have a very kind of eagle eye in terms of players that play abroad. They want the best from abroad because they don't think that the players in this country are at a certain standard, whether it's the coaching, whether it's player development, whether it's coaching at a younger act, who knows? So they look elsewhere. So if you have the former England manager, Hope Powell, who's doing a really good job at Brighton, saying that the more games they play at an international level will make them better players, then doesn't that kind of every two years playing in a World Cup reinforce that argument that if you play better players, you become better player? You don't always play better players at World Cup. Not nor do you do it in qualification. Um, it, it depends who you're playing. Like, I think, you know, if you're a player, if you're an English player and you move and you go and play in Sweden um, and you, or you go and play in Germany or wherever, that is going to change part of your game. You know, if you're if you start playing international fixtures instead of just domestic, if you start getting caps, that's going to, like, everything is going to help improve your game. Um, you know, and, and different opposition will test you in different ways and will make your coach try and, you know, maybe you'll get played differently, but your team will play differently, you'll learn in different, you know, it's, it, experience is a good thing, but there's also player welfare. <laughs> there. Uh, like, I, I think as well because we're sort of more new recent to um say professional women's football and a lot of those teams who are qualifying for world cups or trying to aren't pro um and then you think about how much they go through in, in a season like over a year or every four years um so by the time that they get to a summer tournament if you're only, if you're only part-time by the time you get to a summer tournament are you going to be able to show your best football Hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I, I totally get it, and I'm, I'm not kind of like definitely one position, but I'm always keen to look into what what the possible options are. We've got a comment from Craig, and uh, thanks, Craig. This is a uh, the potential increase in international break worried me more. And I mean, I don't know what you think about that, Sophie. I think what was said yesterday, I think, was less but longer. Um, which then causes its own issue, um, because you're still putting the same you're still putting the same amount of games through a player. It's just the frequency of them, and then again, it's, you've got to be careful with loading. But if you've got an international window and you say double the amount of fixtures in it, so you just double the fixture, uh, double the window, yada yada. So you have half the windows, but then you've got double the playing them because they're twice as long, and you're flying around more. Then that's you know putting more exhaustion into the body. You're not in a good place to rehab and rest if you're having to shoot around Europe or around wherever to play more games. Um, we've, we've already lost um, a couple of windows in the last few years. Uh, in football, you know, we don't have a January one anymore. I mean, the US kind of do, but they're the US. They do what they want, really. Uh, whereas back in the day, it was teams going to like La Manga and do hot, uh, hot weather training in January uh, at the start of the year. And again, as we've shifted more into professional football in terms of the leagues, they've taken a bit more precedent. Um, so that's better for club teams, but then it means international managers see their players less. Yeah. So, so in terms of who's leading this, this pack, I hope my audio is not too troublesome for you. Is it, is it causing trouble? The audio? Oh no, no. it's oh, absolutely fine. fine. Um, 
So which is more important? Is it the international team setup or is it the club setup? I'm I'm English. Um, I grew up with the, the Premier League or domestic football being being paramount. And then you kind of get into women's football. You get into men, you know, into anywhere that isn't England, and it's playing for your national team is is the be all and end all. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of money uh, and a, a career and a living can be made in in domestic football, but. Um, when it comes down to the players themselves, I think a lot of them will say there's, there's no higher honour than playing and representing their country. And especially if they can do that at a major tournament. Excellent. Especially if it's both years. Um, <laughs> Craig's another point. Uh, it says, do you think a Nations League system would work better than friendlies going forward? I don't... Again, I feel a bit stick in the muddy over just the the, the Nations League. Anyway, um, I don't get the point of it. <laughs> like, I remember being in um, in a bar in London a couple of, a couple of years ago. Yeah, it must be a couple of years ago. Um, and there was Wales or Northern Ireland or someone in the in the Nations League, and what? And it was on the background. And it's, what's the point? It's you know, it, it, and if they're treated like half people treat them like friendlies anyway, it's the same difference. I know it's another possible qualification path, but I don't You're not not bothered? If you're getting good games, you're getting good games. If you can develop players, you can develop players. I don't know. Where do you land on it? Uh, To be honest, I find some of the friendlies a waste of time, to be honest. And And again, it kind of almost makes me think, yeah, World Cup every two years, have these fixtures mean something. So, but I I do understand, as you've mentioned, player welfare, I get it, and burnout and travel and being friendly to the planet is is very important right now. So it then moves me towards asking about the development of the WSL and what that actually means. Is it strong enough? Is it big enough? And what needs to happen next if it isn't? <laughs> In women's football, you have WSL, you have NWSL, you have the Spanish League, which has so many names. I'm just going to call it the Spanish League. Yeah. Um, and now the WE League, um, that class themselves as professional leagues. French league isn't fully professional, just a couple of teams. Uh, German league isn't fully professional. Uh, Swedish league definitely isn't. Uh, Portuguese league isn't. Um, Mexican league isn't. Brazil doesn't have a professional league. Um, Canada, Canada don't even have a league. And they're Olympic champions. Like, go figure that. I mean, they used to have a team in Canada. Um it's. I think there's just so so much disparity um, around women's football anyway, even just in Europe. Uh, I think there's there's a lot and there's a lot of wanting to run before you can walk. Not necessarily actually trying to, but wanting to. And everything you do in women's football, you consciously or subconsciously are looking at what and how it's been done in the men in the men's game. 
and say you can compare WSL with the Premier League or you can do the Nigerian Um Whereas when men's, when, when men's football was developing and growing, it was going organically and was evolving at its own pace because it was the only thing doing it. it was the, men's football is just men's football. Um, whereas now you're like, oh, but why isn't women's football professional? Why don't we have VAR? Why don't we have this? It's like, we're only just like, we're only just professional. If you go back, I think like the season before last, or maybe yeah, I COVID because messed up my. Yeah, it's hard to remember, but there was um there was like a, the Man United match was like abandoned because like they didn't have enough oxygen or something because one of the teams. One and I, I apologize to any fans who are screaming, uh, uh, getting the details wrong. Um, I'm just trying to. Remember my way through. I think there was, it was, I think it was Man United, um, and there wasn't enough oxygen. There was a, an injury to a player. I think she needed oxygen, um, but they didn't have enough left over for the rest of the match in case of another injury because one team didn't have that, or there wasn't an ambulance on site. There was something like that, and I think that's not going to happen in men's football, is it? You're going to have all the, requ- the requisite staff. You're going to have the requisite medical equipment. Like, so if you're complaining that you don't have VAR or GLT, it's like, okay, but, like, do you have oxygen? Can we start with, like, can we start with the basics? Um, can everyone breathe? Right, okay. Okay, we'll go through the steps, and then we'll talk about officiating once we make, once we're sure everyone has, has enough oxygen if they need it. Um, yes, I, I kind of, like, I want to see women's people grow and develop. I think we all do. But like, there's the speed at which we're trying to push it up a hill and stuff, and and, and you know, yes, WSL is at a point, yet it did it, and other leagues are here and there. Now it's just everything around the world needs to, to come up, and yeah, we're, we're we're lucky in WSL that it's professional for the most part. There are some teams that maybe play a little fast and loose with the idea of professionalism, um, but it's it's mostly viable um, now in a way that wasn't a few years ago. Um, like celebrating that side of it but yeah no it'd be cool to see a couple more teams um, in WSL because it does sort of break down into mini leagues um, and maybe if you end up with more sort of in the middle the pack or you know there's a big jump from the championship to um, WSL if maybe you slightly increase WSL it won't be such a gap and you'll have more because you get the odd player who is too good for the championship. You'll, you'll see them for a championship team and they'll just, they'll be, they'll be too good. But then they get to WSL and it's a bit more. So they're trying to get lost somewhere in the meditation, maybe make the WSL a little bit bigger. But anyone who follows the Spanish league knows that a bigger league is you know, there's, there's a lot more games. Um, so yeah, it's striking the right balance and finding what's right for the league and the players and the people. And, and Because what works in Spain, what works in Germany, what works in England might all be different. In Spain, have they got, is it 16 or 18 teams? Oh, it's uh, 16. Uh, last 16. season it was eight. Uh, last season it was 18 because they promoted two, but they didn't relegate two because of, of COVID. So it was an even bigger season. Um, yeah, no, the Spanish league kind of just keeps going and going and going and going and going and going. And then they used to have um, the Copa del Reina right at the end of the season. Go, oh, I'll give them a break. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, bang goes my support for two years World Cups. 
Um, so for, for, for the numbers in terms of the WSL, in terms of the league, what would be the ideal step to increase to? Currently um, 12. I, I'd go up by two and, and see how that lands. Um, I think leagues with odd-numbered teams, everything, it, it's very easy for stuff to get a little bit screwy if you're starving to postpone games. Um, a few years ago, 2016, I think it was the season uh, uh, after Donny Bells and Reading got promoted, there was an odd number of teams in WSL. And Donny had whatever game in hand, and then they had a postponement, and they had this and that and the other. And there's one point where Birmingham had played like six or seven games to Donny's three, and the table looked really weird. And then the Bells had loads and loads and loads and loads and loads to catch up to. And it was just, it was just, it was just made worse by there being a lot of teams. Um, yeah, and it's not the best season for the Bells. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always a bit weird if you have uh, an odd number uh, of teams. So if you sort of increase by two, See, if it's if it's too much, if it's too big, then you then have to go back down. But I think just increase by two, see if it works. Might, might do, might not. Right. I want to just quickly go back to one of the comments. Apologies for comments. Is Amir's talked about the Nation League format for World Cup qualifying. Might temper those who moan about qualifiers against lower-ranked nations. Seems reasonable. Absolutely. Um, it's... So England's last couple of qualifiers were um, oh, mm, a little bit lopsided. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you they're, they're both teams ranked. Uh, Is it Luxembourg uh, or something like that? It was yeah, it was Luxembourg, and it what was it? Oh no, my brain's just gone Liechtenstein. I had completely yeah. forgotten. Yeah. It was and North Macedonia, me, and yeah, uh, it, the, the players might as well stay at home. Might as, they might as well have stayed at home and just given them the caps from by WhatsApp message. It was, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's brutal. But I mean, look, North Macedonia have one full-time player. Luxembourg, I think, have a couple of teenagers who play in Belgium who might be of note one day. Um, they're, they're, they're nations that are, are, are low-ranked. Um, yeah. You know, it... It's a good thing for lower ranked nations to play teams above them and in around them. But if you're talking about a gap of over a hundred places, not great. Um, so maybe yeah, this is something that I should have written about last window and kind of maybe forgot to. Um, I think I read that tweet. <laughs> yeah, break down and have because this is, we don't have, we didn't have a preliminary round of qualifying um, for the Euros, uh, for the UEFA World Cup qualifying, actually. Um, we usually have a pre preliminary round that does get rid of a lot of low-ranked teams. Um, I think if you break it down, so you have maybe, I think it used to be like an A and a B in women's football. Um, but if you break it down so that you don't have teams ranked, you know, 120, 130, playing teams in the top 10 or top 20. So they're playing even just down to, say, top top 50. Um, that is going to be better for everyone involved. You know, you can't learn anything if you're losing 10 mil. Like, that doesn't do anyone any good. Um, and you can't learn anything if you're winning 10 mil either. Um, so if you kind of break, break it down and maybe, you know, try and... Put you know some 
that rank and then that rank and just but then have them play enough games that it, it's still beneficial to them and I don't know. No, I don't know. It, it seems like a straightforward, common sense thing to do, but it doesn't seem to have been any common sense in terms of the way fixtures have been put together. So, you know, I'm, you know, just talking to you now, I had this conversation with others already about what should be done. And it's almost like the individuals that are in the room making those decisions just aren't, they don't have that thought process at all. It's just, it's just almost absent or there is, there is no one at the table, there's no voice to say, look, let's be reasonable, let's do things a certain way. And I just think, again, it, it goes back to what I was saying before about the, the World Cup being every two years and Paul Powell's comment about if you play against better players, you become a better player. I think if you're playing against England and you're ranked 120 and you're getting slapped on an international level, who do you go and play next in the league? You don't play anyone of substantial not or of an equivalent so that's like an annual birthday slap excuse the phrase that you're going to get because you're going to play someone so there's no gradual building of experience or momentum from 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 anywhere so i i really don't i kind of question the individuals who are running the game in in any part of the world where I think, what are you actually doing to help the development? Because it doesn't look like it's, it's, you know, comprehensive or well thought out or anything. But, you know, I'm just a small person sitting talking to, to Sophie, who knows a lot more than me. Um, you think about like when, again, like England men um, played qualifiers against San Marino. And and it was like, oh, you, you know, the goalie. He's a he's a, he's a he, he he's a postman, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. oh, he's a postman. He's a fireman. And it's like, yeah, it's San Marino. Like, it's, 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 population. It's like the stories of the FA Cup. Yeah, I, yeah. It's, he's just finished the shift. He's at Wembley. Yeah. All right, we don't need that. Um, another comment going back to the WSL. This craze is how long till we see multiple promotions and relegation spots from the WSL and FAWC, which is always called the WSL2 for some reason. I'm confused. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I missed WSL2. It was just easier. Um, yeah. Uh, it was up to the FA. Uh, I th again, if you, if you expand the league, I think you've got more room for two up, two down. Um, at the moment, like if you if you relegate it to and you promote it to, like you have to think about. It's a weird season in um in the championship uh, this season. What's weird is is the wrong. Yeah. It's, it's competitive as hell. Yeah. Um, but then you think, well, how would just so they're dropping points to them, but they're better. So it's not. Uh, but how would this team be faring if they've been promoted? And how does yeah? And is is this team who's finished second? Are these teams are they sustainable to go? full-time if they got promoted as well or to go from the somewhat full-time they are to more full-time and do they have everything they can put in place da, 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 da. and then what of the teams we're relegating um and the more teams you relegate who are full-time and don't you know and, and stay full-time in a league then they're just going to bounce back and forth um so it's quite a tricky one um I just, give it time see how it goes really with the fa uh, you know the fa do love to tweak um and to take the league and just do something different with it every now and then um so probably not that long 
Um, I, I can't say that I've heard anything uh, about uh, anything about that. But I, yeah, so step one, if you expand the league a little bit, I think you've got a bit more room to do that as well. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's tricky um, because say so you've got sort of teams that kind of break themselves down into, into packs anyway. And, um, yeah, do you know what? Craig's a Birmingham fan. I don't really Craig, want to be talking Craig, about like Craig, Marvel <laughs> relegations. Craig is he's throwing in some real comments here. And I'm like yeah. thinking, ooh, before we get to Craig's comment, what th this is my thinking on in terms of Craig's point about the promotion. If I was in the FA, I wouldn't have any team relegated this season, but I would promote two teams. I would promote, I wouldn't, I'd, I'd say this is a post-COVID experiment. No one gets relegated, but two teams from the championship get promoted and then see what happens from there and see how teams fare. Because the two teams that are at the top now, they could shift places at any point in time, but Durham have consistently shown that they can challenge considering their setup. But that's that's just my input. But whether that will happen, who probably not. I I've got a lot of time for Durham. Um and what uh what Lee's done with Durham. Um they're they're a really interesting team. But for years, um I've actually just wanted to go and I could have because I've been up to Durham a couple of times, just ask, hey if you did get promoted, like, is, has that financial? I know that they've got um, a lot. They're you know not being tied to a, a mentor team actually helps them in some ways because they can get their own sponsorships going. But I think as we saw with Yeovil, and not to just compare Durham and Yeovil because they're so far north and so far south, it's just not. Um, no, but um, you know the amount that Yeovil had to do when they got promoted. Not even just in terms of contracts uh, for full time, but in terms of support staff and extra things they needed with the club, uh, it was it was a big it was a big ask. And I look at a team like Durham, who I, mean, I want to see more independent teams thriving, but I have that little bit of worry just if they could sustain, you know, what the FA would, would be asking of them if they took that step. Um, but I yeah, I, I love seeing them sort of kicking up around around the top of the championship and it's like the season United got promoted like Durham Durham were the team who were just upsetting them every, every turn um yeah there's no love lost there yeah but yeah it's, it's interesting now as well because obviously Sunderland are back in the championship so Durham actually have a team nearby them for the first mm. time in a while um so yeah um I think it would be interesting. And I think the problem is if you say, well, this is a post-COVID experiment, we're not going to relegate anyone. I think Liverpool are going to be angry because they got relegated in, in the truncated season. <laughs> um, when, when they were turning their form around because it was, um, it was yeah. Like if, if you, that season had played out, my, my, my thing is that Liverpool would not have been bottom um, in that season because they were getting better. And they yeah. weren't dreadful that season anyway. Um, but that's that's neither here nor there. But yeah, no, it's it's an interesting idea. Um, and yeah, I'd maybe send like Kelly Simmons a direct message and be like, "Hey, do you want to?" Like well, I, I'll have to look for her on Twitter. You may have to give me a detail, so I will do it because uh, Kelly it, Simo. Yeah, I, I think. I'll probably send it to someone in Dubai yeah. by accident. No, my luck. So. Oh, I mean, they, they get something going in Dubai. <laughs> 
Right, you mentioned Liverpool and so did Craig. Got to put the comment out. He says, do you see a mass exodus if Liverpool fail to get promoted again this season? Could be Durham's year. I... Hmm. One of the things um, in Liverpool's favour, um, I think I can say this, uh, is is Matt Beard. Um, okay. Like he, he's... he's He's a nice guy. Uh, I think the players who play for Matt Beard um, like that he's, you know, he's, he's a nice manager. He tries to get, take care of the players, make sure that you know, everything's going uh, well for them as it can be. You know, and sometimes, you, you know, playing for a manager you like and you respect and who's, who's, in, who's in your corner, I think, can, can be quite a draw. And, you know, unless they're like, unless they bottom out this season, um, then there's always going to be, well, we didn't get it this season, but we definitely have a chance next season. Yeah, we know what we did wrong. And they can keep growing. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky one with Liverpool because you think back to when they were winning WSL titles and, and leading the way um, and then kind of falling behind uh, and being relegated and having loads of stuff happening off the pitch that hasn't been too great. Yeah, but uh, yeah, if the players are happy and they feel that they can challenge the following season, if they don't get promoted this year, you know, you know unless it also depends who makes an offer and who comes in and says, "Look, do you want to come play for us? You be playing at the top tier, or we can give you this or that." You know, it's, it then becomes an individual thing. Um, but we're still quite early in the season as well, um, and we know it's going to be a bit of a weird one because. Loads of teams uh, are well capable. Like as as Greg pointed out, Durham could could yeah. finally do it. Um, but they did drop points the other day. I think they lost. I can't remember. Did they lose? I think they might have lost one game. I think they. I they think they're, top. they're still top. Though. They're yeah. Still top. I, it's, I keep having to get up at like four and five a.m. to watch Japanese football, and it really, like, and then you have to like, I ease in like the Spanish and the French and the English games. Oh, I, don't know. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you. I honestly don't know how you do it. I don't. I, I don't remember anything. It's just yeah. Incredible. I don't know how you because you're doing stuff, and I'm like thinking, I don't know when you find time to even watch these these fixtures. It's just it's mind blowing. Um, what I want to there's one more comment. Is there a comment? Is that from? Um, <laughs> Crazy says I'll put a more positive question to Sophie. Who's the like? Do you know what? I'm going to come back to that one, Craig, because I have that written down, actually, as a, a question to ask Sophie as well. So, thank you. He's reminded no me. What I want to ask you, Sophie, because look, we've been talking non-stop, and I realise that time has flown. So we've really, I've enjoyed listening to you talk about so many things, especially the two-year World Cup. Two years World Cup. Um, Stuff that's happened in America in terms of the allegations of abuse with the NWSL players that have kind of come forward and, and stood together against, I'd just say some horrible treatment, you know, just just to say that. And, and the thing that I thought about was about safeguarding. I just use it as a broad heading, safeguarding. And I wanted to know um, what, what does safeguarding look like in football what, what is it what is it in in this country what does it look like 
Whoa. Thank you for not going for something positive. Um, <laughs> um, safeguarding looks like not what we're doing right now, yeah. uh, frankly. Uh, we're failing mm. in, in NWSL, in WSL, in everywhere, in women's football, in everywhere in women's sport, everywhere in society. We're just, we're, 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 it's a shit time to be a woman. Um, you know, there's not enough, um, even accountability is the right word, but, you know, we need a lot more in place yeah. across the sport um, of ways of reporting, um, you know, abusive behaviour and, and reporting you know, those who are, you know, not doing the right thing, doing the wrong thing. Um, what we've seen in NWSL is they brought in an anti-harassment policy, mm. Uh, that's quite far-reaching and includes quite a bit of different things but then that came in and now you know like eight coaches have left their jobs i think i don't want to include mark skinner he was just moving to united anyway but like no one in nwsl who was there at the start of the season again exaggeration exaggeration there are three coaches um but it's it's weird um you know the, just one little thing anti-harassment policy um so we need these things in place where, where players can report this stuff and they can feel safe and they, there can be a level of comfort in them doing this. Um, you know, sometimes it, it takes one player breaking a silence um, or having the, I don't like using the word brave or courage or whatever, because in that implies those who don't lack bravery or on whatever, when it's, you know, that's something that an abuser has taken away from them. Um, but if I just use the word brave in, in this situation, um, like players who are brave enough to do that, and then that could kind of be the the, the, the change of the stuff. And, but they've got to have someone that they can talk to, that they feel safe and they feel comfortable talking to and reporting to and giving a testimony to. Um, so what NWSL have done is they brought in, I think, a company called Safe Sport, um, which, yay! But also, Safe Sport were involved in like the USA gymnastics stuff, um, and players have blasted them because they did nothing. Um, so you need you, you need the right people, um, you know. And and there has been uh, sort of a safeguarding increase or extra sort of stuff in in England in the last few years uh, because everything happened on the men's side. But yeah, I, I someone uh, did mention to me there was. A, asked the other day, well, do we just remove all men from football? Is that the way to move forward? Um, and as much as I would enjoy that experiment, um, it, one, not every man involved in, in, in women's football is is predatory or is is an abuser or is blah, 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 blah. But that also then assumes that every woman involved in women's football isn't. Um, whereas plenty, plenty of women, plenty of men, are abusers or they cover up for abusers so it's not just getting rid of the abusers it's getting rid of those who want to push stuff under the rug who want to just like are you sure he that if she you know need people um that, that the players feel safe with um and they then need you know it's a series of accountabilities um but yeah we're, we're failing uh and same with like in, in the usa um and there, there is a lot of women playing football in the US, a, a lot of different age groups. Um, you know, uh, I think if we'll feel the full 
ripple effect and for everything from what's happening in NWSL. I think you are seeing that a little bit more as having some effects into the collegiate level um, as well, but whether if it actually affect and, and, and ripple around the world, you know, you've got FIFA saying that they're looking into it. I mean, like a lot of this stuff is is a known secret. Um, that there there are abusers in the game. There are people who are in the game that shouldn't be in the game. Who, you know, someone will report them to their club, and the club will do an investigation, an internal investigation, fire them, but say absolutely nothing because there are NDAs in place. And then that coach will then go and get a job somewhere else. So that's what happened with Paul Riley. That he then went and worked for the Courage, or he got the when they were the New York, uh, the Western New York Flash. You're like, well, there's been an investigation. Like, you know, something's happened. Why are you not sharing that information? This is someone who should not be coaching. This is someone who should not have control over over women. And you know, um, there's another coach. I don't know how much of it is in the public. Uh, who uh, was removed from his his position in NWSL? He's now coaching in Mexico. Um, very serious allegations against him and you know he absolutely should not be coaching in Mexico there are others who got fired from from the professional game and they'll go and work with like teenage girls and they'll be fired for for sexual misconduct that can't be right um so to answer your initial question I don't know uh it just not not like we're doing now we just I, I, I don't know I think it's way way out of my pay grade but i the the best thing to talk uh, to, to do is to, is to talk to women who've who've had to go through this stuff um and ask what they need what they want or what you know if they were comfortable if it what would have helped them, given them the, the chance to come forward earlier um but it's you know you're talking about at the extreme end of the scale you're talking about women reporting sort of sexual abuse and that you know, that's, that's not an easy thing for a person to do. Um, so I, I know, but something, something needs to change because things have been shit for a long time. Um, I'm sorry about the question, Sophie. I have to be honest. No, it's um, I, I, And what I will say is I'm, I'm learning all the time, right? So, you know, when I yeah, ask... I, yeah, go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, I have absolutely no remit to write about um, NWSL. I have no one's on my back about, you know, write about this. Because I write for a lot of American websites who, who you know, and, and everyone, and I know so many people, whether it's just their beat reporters or they cover the league as a whole, they are doing so, so much great work to, to get this stuff out there. And, I mean, it's exhausting just reading it. I, I can't imagine what it's like for them having to write about it, what it's like for the players having to live through it. Um but it's 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 a necessary part of the process, and yeah, uh, it's just I hate that this is still where we're at in, in 2021. Um, that there's still so many of these people in the game. Yeah, it's gonna be hard to to get rid of all of them. The reason I, I kind of phrased the question like that to you, and I, I thought about it for a good five days reading and, and listening to what was said in, in America by those two players and, and the response from the authorities and how they handled their allegations, it made me think about what, what was the safeguarding aspect for football in this country 
So I, I didn't do an in-depth kind of search, but I looked at certain clubs. I looked on their websites to see who had what. You know, I saw that, you know, I looked at Charlton. They've got a named person and an email address. Um, I think Man United and I think Chelsea. I'm not sure if think Arsenal have got a safeguarding policy on their website that you can access and, and download, which is great, which is great. Uh, and my background is in education. So I know that working in schools, I've worked in education for so many years that as a school, you have to have those policies available on the website yet yeah, for, for, for members of the public to download because of an inspection and the inspectors are Ofsted and schools, teachers are always kind of tiptoeing around because they're fearful that Ofsted, and that Ofsted could phone on three o'clock and say, we're coming tomorrow and they turn up the next day at eight. I don't know if there is that kind of body in football. Um. That actually says, we're coming to do an inspection of your safeguarding protocols. We're going to interview everyone in your club and we're coming tomorrow and we'll be there at eight o'clock. And I mean, like, literally to, to, to inform the club at five o'clock the day before and then, like, to have that kind of investigative power to say, this is what we're doing. And I say this from my point of view, not just from, from, from what I saw in America, but here outside of the game, the way women have been treated by the police, whether it's to do abuse, assault, deaths, there, it, it seems as if they only get the message out if there is a collective voice to say, we're going to shout about what's going on because the powers that be, there is a culture of silence. And I just don't understand how that is allowed or, or, or individuals at the highest level haven't said, this is what we need to do. Because in every football club, there is an academy, there is an RTC where there are players younger than 18. They are children. They are children. So there needs to be, from my point of view, a body outside that actually goes in and says, we are going to do an inspection of how you run your safeguarding. What's in place? And we will speak to the players there. Like an independent audit that happens outside of football, where football can't control it. And, it, and I don't mean the government. I mean, someone that actually comes in and looks for the, self, the safety and the welfare of the players. And that's why I asked the question, what does it look like in football? Hmm. It's, it's tough. And, you know, as, as, you're, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, what happened in Afghanistan? What happened um, exactly. with the, the head of the, the Haiti FA? I think it's the head of the ATFA, who was, you know, sort of raping and, and bringing in teenage yeah. girls and, and, and threatening them, saying, you know, if you don't comply, you'll never play for the national team again. You'll bring shame upon your entire family. I can, you know, like, how do you, how do you regulate that? Um, so, again, FIFA has stepped in every now and then. Um, as a, but I, 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 see, I, I don't know. And it, having someone outside of football definitely would, would be a good idea. If you look at some of the things that's happened... Uh, with the FA and their internal investigations, they haven't always been. I think as soon as you launch an internal investigation, um, there, there, you know, it's you get the result you want. Um, 
so yeah definitely having something a, a body outside of, of of sport you know and i don't know christ if you could if like the un like because i know the un have a sort of seven separate women's sub uh, again foggy foggy head but um like if you're then talking about that so on a, on a, on a global scale that they can go in with football clubs with 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 different sports with you know how then that subdivides but you know it's something that you'd have to have in every country um for everything. Uh, um yeah yeah, no, I mean, for me, it's something, I mean, I've worked in education for a long time, so I've, I've been a safeguard and lead in the school. So I know that there are certain things that had to happen every year, certain things needed to take place, staff needed to be trained, we need to do, you know, teachers used to hate it, oh, we've got to do this on insect, got to do it, tough, don't care, got to be done, we need to be signed off. And I organised training through the NSPCC, had to come in, they told us everything. And they supersede local authorities. They supersede the police. If you've got a complaint, you can phone them directly and they'll just come in and do what they need to do. I want to know from my view, you know, point of view as a football fan who likes to win this game, I'm thinking, well, what's the safeguarding measures in the women's game, considering what we saw in America? And in the world of politics, they say if America sneezes, the world catches a cold. So that... So if that's happening in America, that's had an established league for years, where it's regulated and players are getting paid, what about all of those other leagues? We've talked about that. They can't get anything together. They've not been paid properly. Players want to, and they have all of these dubious individuals saying, you can do this to play, but if you don't, where is the safeguarding element in at that level? And I, I, if, it, if I see a club say, you know, contact someone in the club who will investigate on behalf of your allegation. I think that's just not enough. Mm. It's not enough. You know, I'm sorry for me to get a little bit animated, but I, I think from my point of view, as a man, I need to do everything in my power or my little position to say, that's wrong. That, no, that's wrong and that's wrong. You know, because I have women in my life. I've got a partner, I've got a daughter, I've got a mum, I've got female friends. If I'm not doing my bit for them, then I'm complicit. If I don't point out the errors, then I'm complicit. It's not enough for me to say, oh, well, you know, they're okay. I, I, it, it doesn't sit well with me. That's why I phrased it. I'm thinking, what does it actually look like? So, you know, I've seen you now talk about it and you, you struggle to talk. And I'm not thinking, I've, well, I've read your tweets. I've listened to you talk. You talk at length on anything. This is a this is an area where it shouldn't just be down to the women in the game to say we've been treated bad. There needs to be a mechanism beyond the policy. It's okay that the individuals that are actually doing the safeguarding are decent, but not only decent, they can be checked as well. It's not just about the players. It has to be a rigorous mechanism where it doesn't matter who you are everyone is under the spotlight and you have to be on your P's and your Q's all the time because it's a serious thing and um, yeah I don't know I just it just I, just reading it and, and listening to what you said it just gets me a little bit agitated knowing that things like that just can happen and I just think it's just wrong it's just so wrong and and the abusers look like me they sound like me you know, and I have to be honest and say, you know, if I 
was in a club and I saw something was going wrong, I'd have to say something, but what would the mechanism in the club be like if I spoke mm. out? Would I be pressured to say say nothing? Would I be? So that's why I'm thinking it can't be the club. It has to be an independent body that comes in and says, we have total control of everything when it comes to safeguarding and allegations. It can't be you, and it definitely can't be you. And I don't know what that looks like. So, you know, I'm, you know, we're, we're going to end on a positive note. Don't worry, Sophie. We yeah, are that's, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. It is, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I, I, look, it needs to be talked about. Um, and it's, it's, it's of the moment. Um, yeah. You know, um, yeah, no, it needs to be talked about. Uh, I, I mean, I went on um, uh, Copper 90s, uh, Just the Tea or whatever it was a couple of years ago, um, and they were doing really, really fun ones every week. And then the one I came on for, it was so, it was all like really serious, heavy shit. And I was like, oh, come on, man. Like, you've done really fun things every week and then the next week it was really fun it was really like hearted and, I, and i'm there and i'm sort of there with like ennio luco and we're talking about like racism in the game and and everything and like the finances and just, oh my god like this is so me to a fun one they they saw your bio and said sophie lawson we need to be serious <laughs> uh no 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 it's 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 I want to. I want people to know that I want to be an ally in this, and I want to be clear about how I feel. But also, I want to be able to to have a conversation with individuals in the game and and find out from from their point of view what it is. Um, and the difficulties, like I say, I speak to my partner, and and and, and this has got nothing to do with football. The 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 the. The, the woman who was killed by the police officer, Sarah Everett, is it Everett? Yeah. yeah. You know, I learned so much from my partner afterwards in terms of how women feel all the time. You know, we take it for granted, but at the same time, as men, we don't take it for granted. Because I have to think, you know what, if, if, I, if I didn't take it for granted, then I wouldn't go to the tube station at seven or eight o'clock at night to meet her from work because she's okay. You know, I know in my mind she's not going to be okay, so I go and meet her. So there's, there are things that I do that are automatic, but at the same time, I don't think in a way that, you know, women have to walk around and think, oh, I, I'm going to be, has the word, I'm constantly worrying about whether I'm going to be attacked. And, and it's no different generally being on the way to work, uh, walking down the street, on the tube, and I think then it can't be any different playing football or being in a football club. It can't be any different in terms of the level of abuse you might get, whether it's verbal or untoward behaviour. It can't be any different. So I have to be kind of like, okay, I've got to say something and be more, be be more aware, be more open-minded, be much more present to it. And um, I had to think long and hard and thinking, how do I phrase that? to you without it being too heavy um, but it's heavy anyway like I say it's a very heavy subject and there's no there's no getting away from it unfortunately well we'd like to get away from it there just needs to be decent people in the world I'll stop I'll stop I'll stop, I'll stop. It's, it's too much we're, we're going to leave that I'm going to take it off it's, it's, it's we will yes we will carry on and I mean, it's, right a, it's a discussion that needs to be had. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. But I, I'm, I'm struggling now to think, what, what's the next thing, and how, and what that looks like, and, and, 
and the point that you said is there a you know should men and I thought this as well are, are there too many men in women's football and I actually thought maybe there are too many men in women's football I did think that I did I was thinking damn there are too many men in women's football hmm there are a lot of men in women's football yeah um there's a lot of uh in terms of coaching and management the pathways not massively there um some nations are better about that than others that they try and get more women into coaching and have more opportunities um but yeah that's still an area that's being sort of failed on and it, and, and again it's sort of in terms of uh Men and women of colour, it's 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 still disproportionate. Even you know, with the coaching or playing, it, it again, and there's there's no sort of short term solution for that. It's it's it's, a, it's something you've got to mend over time and, and put the pathways in place. But like there, you know, there are good, honest, decent men in women's football. There are some Ted Lassos about. Um, um, I've never watched know, it. Uh, but, is it good? Is it good? It's, it's good. It is. Yeah, I was, I, was, I was reticent because obviously Americans, but no, it's good. It's good. Okay. All yeah. right. Okay. I'll watch it. I'll give it a go. Good right. soundtrack as well. Okay. I would like a good soundtrack for a program. It's the best bits for me, I think. Um, right. Let's go back to Craig's point, which you put to us much earlier. And it says, um, who is the most underrated player right now in the WSL? I don't know if that's really positive. Oh, God. oh no! Oh no! <laughs> My question was, who was the best player in the WSL outside of Chelsea's front three? Because no one, everyone usually goes Panyohada, Kirby, and I just think no, or Miedemar, just no. That's who, that's what I wanted to ask you, but we're going with Craig's um, question. Uh, I, I'm just I'm just such a fan of Manu Robucci. Um but. Uh, she gets her juice. Um, wow, that's I, underrated. Is such a tough one because, like, I think of players like Ella Toon, but I also have like I see a lot of Man United tweets, um, uh, uh, you know, from fans, and like they they know how good Toon is. She is very uh, good. She's very good. She's very good. Yeah, like you can you can go with like team by team. Like I I think um, uh, Kirsty Hansen. Uh, mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, Hanson at United as well is is yeah. such a key player for for United. Um, but like I like you know players like Lucy Graham at Everton, and there I, I could go through each team. Um, but that that would take a while. As it is, yeah, there's there's a lot of players out there who do 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 such good work who aren't Frank Kirby, who aren't Minamar, who aren't Sam Kerr. And it's, it's easy to kind of forget. Um, there are a lot of really good players out there. Um, I, I, I can't I can't say who's the most underrated. Oh, oh, who's the most overrated player then in the WSL right now? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Someone sprung to mind. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I can see you go. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> That was like that was an Austin Powers. Mm. Mm. Um, there is a player I have in my mind, but um, I don't want to have to mute all my mentions <laughs> uh, on Twitter, so I'm not I'm not going to say who who she is. But um, 
I personally don't rate someone um, who <laughs> a lot of people do. And I think I'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay, I mean, oh, okay, we'll, we'll leave the WSL overrated play. Have you watched much of the championship? That's what I want to ask you. Have you watched any of the, any of the games? A little bit. Um, okay. I've really been failing with, with the championship okay. this season. Um, no, so I, I know you've been watching so many. You know, I don't know how you. I think they're actually you cram like forty-eight hours into twenty-four hours because I, I look yeah, at your tweets. I'm like thinking, how do you even watch this? It's, it's not good for my eyesight. But um, I, saw that, I saw a tweet and you had like two screens. And well, I'm thinking, like where's the TV? Because that's not even in this picture. Oh, the TV doesn't work. It's just an extra screen. So then I have to run it off my laptop. So my laptop game looks really hot. Um, yeah, I was. Oh, I just doing quadruple screen screening over the Olympics at one point. That was horrible. I, I, was, I was borrowing. Um, I was borrowing. Like, both my parents have tablets, so I had two tablets. I had two laptops. Oh. I had laptops. I didn't know yeah. what to do. Um, yeah. yeah, I've actually your, got a new setup as well on my other screen. So I hope your Wi-Fi provider must be going like this. Easy money. Easy money. <laughs> got 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 the mesh right there. Um, but yeah. Um, who 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 would you put down as your um most underrated player in the league? What for for um uh, WSL? Well, I mean championship WSL. as well. You're you're catching a lot more of it than I am. Um, I mean, I've seen a few of the teams in the WSL. I mean, I like too. I think I, to be honest, I don't think she's underrated. I think she's getting a lot of praise from United, and and people are picking her out and they can see what she can do. I think she's a really she's improved from last season. Definitely, she's she's stepped up and she's adding. Goals and the goals she's scoring are great, and the assists and the link up plays the confidence. I think I said to someone last year, you know, she's wearing a number seven shirt, and that means something in Man United's history. And you wear a number seven, it means something. And I think, like this season, she knows that that seven is like it has something. And you know, I, I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, we haven't even seen the best of the year. We haven't even like we, what we're seeing is like ten percent of what she's capable. It's just I, I, I'm almost. I think I, I want to see. I want to see what will be in two or three years now because I'm thinking if if she had that now, she'd rip up the league, rip it up. But you know, away from Manchester United, um, I was actually really really impressed with one of the players that I saw at Spurs. I think it's like the front players at Naz. Quite. Oh, just now. Yeah, I was like, look, yeah. I'm thinking, wow. Um, they've got a defender, is it, is it uh, Azmita Ale? I thought it was Ali, yeah. but yeah. Um, yeah, really I, impressed. You can read it as Ale. Um, ale, yeah. You know. I'm not sure if, if there if there is a, an inflection on it. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure, but I probably said it incorrect the last time I mentioned the name, so apologies. Uh, from the championship. Um, I, I remember watching a Spurs game and the commentator yeah. kept calling her Ale. Like, like what, cheering on in French. Yeah. Yeah. Looking for that. Looking for that. Uh, the championship. Um, you know, it's, who's, I, your, I mean, who's your pick for the championship? Oh, you can't do that. That's terrible. I, I, I can. Got, I, got, <laughs> I just did. Um, <laughs> um, right, Durham looks strong. They look very strong. But no, actually, I I think Durham, if they they stay the course, they could they could win. I think they've got. I think they've got. They've they've, they've recruited well. Um, 
but the other teams as well, they look really good. Sheffield, Liverpool, still in there. London City Lionesses. I went to see. I went to see them the last game. I went to watch them, and they played. They played Watford. Um, London City Lionesses. They've got a lot of young players, and they're really good. Mm. They've got a left back, Thompson. I, thought, I think I've got that correct. I've got that wrong. I have to double check. Uh, my phone's downstairs. Um, yeah, they've got some good players there. Um, Melissa Phillips is doing a good job down there. But there's there are loads of players in all of the teams in the in the championship that on any given day they'll they'll just it's a tough league. It's a tough league. I, and I, I I I don't know what it is. I really enjoy watching the teams in that league because you just think right today's going to be a ding dong. Doesn't matter who it is, we're going to get a bit of a tussle and some good football hopefully, and 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 that's it. And and um, yeah, Durham. Look good, firm look good, but who knows what will happen next week? You know, or when they come back, who haven't got a clue what will happen? Charlton, uh, Charlton surprised me this season. Charlton were my my pick before the start of the season, and then yeah. I think they immediately had their first game postponed because of COVID. Yeah, um, and they were they they them and Lewis. Hmm. Yeah, so and yeah. then obviously they played this weekend, and Lewis. Um, Got the points. Lewis scored really early, and I think they then. I think Lewis then started to pick off Charlton because Charlton were piling on, and they started to pick them off. And it looked like that Lewis could have scored at any point. But um, Charlton, from where they were last season, um, I think they were bottom for almost the last up until the last two weeks or three weeks, and then they escaped. So they they could have gone down and they swapped places with London Bees. So it is a really really challenging league the team that surprised me the most in the championship is Coventry because I thought they would have been really pushing considering they got Katie Wilkinson from Sheffield United I'm surprised but like I say you know, you know I've got to get some more games or get more screens yeah it's an interesting league because you've got more t- more teams who are they're not you've got some who are full-time some who are part-time but some who are somewhere around the middle so you've got yeah. more training, a little bit more investment, more, um, and you can see it, it really benefits the players those extra couple of sessions. Yeah, um, it, it does. It does. But this is why I, I I kind of threw in the kind of oh you know two league two teams to be promoted. Doesn't yeah. matter. It, 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 any any team from the top to fifth or sixth, I think they're playing really good football and they've shown already within the six games that they played that they can they're playing good football and. Uh, uh, the one thing I'll say is for, for, for Bristol, who have been relegated, I think they got a really hard shock the first game when they played Crystal Palace and they got beat. And they've realised that you've got to compete in that league. You've really got to turn up and fight. And I don't know if playing Arsenal every other week and getting conceding nine goals or whether it is in Chelsea getting five. You know, they thought that they would just turn up and play, you know, football and it'd be okay. It's you've got to fight for everything in, in, in the championship and there are no easy points. And every team, they will play until the last minute of the game to, to try and get anything out of it. They will Yeah, I was gonna swear then, but uh, they compete. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's 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 a good it's a good I mean it's why I used to like covering it. Um and not many people were really so that on top of the championship, or maybe as hot as it was, mm. um, but yeah, no, it's 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 again, and it's nice that it's it's sort of its most competitive season now as well. Um, yeah, 
That's it's good, and and plenty of London teams to. Oh to, God! To Every other week it's a London derby. Bloody hell! Do, do love a London derby. I um, mean, they're good, but God, yes, you just think, come on, who is it this week? I, I, I'm going to try and get down to Charlton. Actually, I need to contact them and get down. I think I'm not sure who they're playing. I need to find out. Charlton are playing somewhere. I can find out very quickly who they're playing. Who are they playing? I don't even know who they're playing. Oh, they're playing Sunderland. 31st of October. So that'll be interesting. That'll be that'll be interesting. Right. So Sophie, I'm conscious of time. And I said I wouldn't keep you for too long, even though I've kept you for quite a while. I'm just trying to go back and see if there is anything that I actually missed in terms of our, our topics. And I don't think there is. There is actually one thing, one thing. The uh, zone yep. and their coverage of the um, Women's Champions, Champions League. League. I mean, what are your thoughts on it? Um, as someone who generally doesn't like anything, uh, I really like it. Um, I think that they're, they're, they're doing a, it's a, it's really great that all the matches are, are there. Um, I mean, the gripe is that they only, they don't include the qualification stage and the qualification stage now is massive. Um, but it's, it's lovely. Um, because you know, like, um, you get each broadcast is in multiple languages, uh, uh, and extra, like you randomly have some that don't have English teams that have English language commentary on them as well. Um, I think it was Real Madrid versus um, uh, Kharkiv, I think it was, where they had Jorge Vilda, who's the Spain manager. He was doing sort of some box commentary. Uh, just watched uh, Juventus the other day, and they had like, seven presenters and like two, like some are really pushing out, um, pushing the boat out and putting out some really good coverage. Um, even just uh, the Swedish guy who does Hecken matches knows what he's talking about it's, it's easy and good and good to, to watch and listen along to um yeah so i'm really really enjoying it and i like that they've got a few years uh on that initial deal and that's i mean it's it's it's, it's good it's good um what what would what would the wsl look like if they'd have got the bag and said we're taking over Do you think? Do you think so? Uh, maybe. There's only so much you can change, really. At this point. At this point. At this point. Um, comments before we wrap up. It says uh, thoughts and Champions League reboot. Is I think it's been a success uh, on screen online, but disappointed by the attendance at Arsenal and Chelsea. It's, it feels that the club haven't put enough effort to get fans in the stands. Uh, none of them. Uh, it, uh, it's weird uh, how hard it is to sell uh, a midweek uh, Champions League game under the lights. Uh, it's something we've seen with Arsenal, Chelsea, and City in the past. Or even like you put you even like a game that if you don't follow women's football and you see like Chelsea are playing PSG or City are playing um, Atleti or Real or whoever. Um, you think that would sell itself, um, but they're matches that don't. Um, so, yeah, uh, women's football and its problems with promotion and marketing kind of persist. 
Uh, and that's a problem for the clubs and the FAs to model over because it's absolutely not my field of expertise. Um, but it's it's not a new thing, unfortunately. Uh, I, the reboot, I totally wasn't going to write anything about it either. But I, forgot <laughs> to. Um, I like the group stage, uh, but I think the group stage is too late. You've already lost like 60 teams by the time you get to the group stage. Um, and I'm not like, oh, but we need City in it. I think it's just you need a little bit more. You need to give pl- uh, teams more more games. Um, so blah, 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 blah. Um, a couple of seasons ago when Fiorentina lost to Arsenal, their coach at the time, Antonio Cicotta, I think it was something to that effect, uh, was saying, look, you know, we're, we, we drew Arsenal. Stuff happened, like, you know, we don't get enough games. We're not used to sort of playing in Europe. Well, they've had a few games or whatever. Um, we need more games. We need more games up against different teams so we can grow. Um, and then so you bring in the group stage, we bring it into earlier and maybe go about the different paths so you still have a buy for some teams, but everyone gets more games. If you get everyone gets more games, um, then hopefully you start to move it out a bit more and other teams can maybe attract a different caliber caliber of player as well. If they know they get a good solid run in the Champions League, they get a good few matches rather than just one, whether it's preliminary or not. Um, but yeah, uh, I like the group stage. I think it's too late. Yeah. Well, they could always have a biennial World Cup to attract those. But, uh, but, but what if you did that, but with the Champions League? Tell me about it. Tell me. Okay. Um, Club World Cup. That's it. There you go. That's what it's going to go to. Um, that's why I asked the question, club or, or, or international, which one is leading the way? And I think to me, for me, I'm always more interested in, in club football. But when it's a World Cup, I'm not talking about the actual steps to get there. When it's the tournament, I'm interested. I'm not interested in the steps that are getting there. I just yeah. think they're boring. I think a lot um, of people a lot of people turn in tune in for for international yeah. tournaments um yeah, that, yeah. that don't really care i mean my dad it's not a football guy but he'll always watch england um a, a, a major tournament and get invested yeah, yeah. there you go um another comment i think he's got here and there it says uh um ask to put tickets for hoffenheim only four days before the match and chelsea could have promoted the wolfsburg game more Am I right in thinking that both of the Arsenal and Chelsea played their games at their home ground and not at the men's stadium? I think so. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Arsenal will be playing Barcelona um, at the Emirates, though. Um, yeah. In December, I think it is, yeah. on a nice cold night when they're going to say, hey, Barcelona, here's a nice big pitch for you. Um, <laughs> That's the wrong team to say, here's a big pitch. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's really hard to like be that's like the, positive about. It feels that's like the, that's the that honestly they needed to have said let's go back to hybrid old ivory with the pictures tight and narrow. That's the wrong. Like, just just have it at Boreham Wood. Just yeah, get the yeah, yeah. at the um the groundsman just did, 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 did yeah. a little bit before. Um, yeah. yeah um, I've loads and loads of thoughts about women playing at men's stadiums that we don't have time for. But, um, no, no, I'll tell you what. When I'm, I'm, I want you to come back on, please. It's been a blast. I said we'd only do an hour. We've gone over an hour, and I yeah. think if if I don't say this, we could probably talk for another hour. Easy, but you've got to make your t- your dinner or something to eat um will you come back on 
Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I managed to get through all of this without calling Ellen White old, which is what I did a lot the last time. So I've got... Before you slip it in now, Ellen White is old. I didn't say it. I said I called her a lot. But I, I, I managed to say she was old quite a bit last time. I didn't say that. I, I do think she's old. Um, she's in her prime. Uh, aging yeah. like a fine wine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Warrior some princess. Some some of us like me age like some French cheese on a hot radiator. <laughs> but that's um yeah. <laughs> oh. oh yeah, it's up to for for Amir, it's it's up to, to clubs uh to yeah, how they want to promote their stuff. Um yeah. you'd you'd assume when it comes down to clubs like Arsenal and Chelsea, they'd be a lot more proactive, they'd be a lot more on it, especially for big Champions League games, you know, rep, uh, you know, names that you know, you know, I, it, it's up to the clubs with, with what they want to do. Um, but it's it's a tricky one. Anyone who's in women's football knows to sell women's football to fans, which is. I think you could. Do, I think you could do it. <sighs> yeah, I tell you what. This this is Craig. We're going to come to the end. Craig says I could listen to Soph. He called you Soph. Don't know if that's allowed, Craig. Sophie. Uh, every week great voice for the game and this is something i thought about when i heard about the zone deal which was really funny because you know, I, I work I, in education and i know um the person who created the video for the zone uh, they told me about it in in march and i was like oh oh i was so excited and i saw little clips of it and i was like oh this is going to be so good um i thought of all the people that are doing stuff in women's football that might be included. And I thought you would be, you know, no one's kind of contacted you to do some cold poems. Oh, no, 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 no. You wouldn't do it? Um, I I think I've, I mean, I think I've just got a bad voice. Um, no, no, you do have a very good voice. A good voice. Um, I think I've got a bad voice. And... Um, now yours, yours is, like, yours is quite um, steady. No, it's monotone. My partner says, you, I need to inject life into it. She says, you're too boring. I think I put people to sleep. Yeah, but you, you, need, you need something smoother for commentary. You need, you, need, you need something calm. I don't know if you do. I don't know. I, I Maybe just one game. I, 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 I have to be honest. I would like to do cold comms with you on the FA player on any random game and just talk. Not, because when I listen to the FA player, there's always one person. I'm thinking, who are you talking to? There's no one. Just they're wrong. I, I I've spent so much of my time complaining about commentary. Um, I hubris. Would, uh, no. Um, I I don't think I'd be particularly good. Um, I definitely wouldn't be able to get through 19 minutes without swearing. Then it would be what we call. This is the bit. It would be um, Rodney and Sophie on comms. For this game, keeping it real. And once they hear the words keeping it real, they know it's like adult content. That's it. <laughs> keeping it keeping it real. You know? Like the coaches on the side of the pitch. Yeah. Not trying to apologize for any language you hear. We're just keeping it real. That's it. We do apologize for any fruity language you might have heard <laughs> during that. Um we are not responsible for what gets said on the pitch. We should move our microphones. Back. Yeah, yeah, true, true, But that true. really was a, a fucking atrocity. Um, 
Oh, don't worry. This is the first time I actually haven't said bullshit for something, but I would say, <laughs> I usually say something's bullshit and I haven't said but it. You got it in, though. I got it in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, was it another comment for you? Just before we go, it says, I would be swearing too, Sophie. So there you go. <clears throat> See, this is why I have to have a drink because my voice goes all croaky. Much better. Right. Um, before we go, Craig says, um, Beth Heppel, outside oh, she's so good. she's never mentioned. And you know what, Craig? I should slap myself, but I, I'm on screen. Beth Heppel. Yeah. Delayed. Um, she's, uh, oh, she's back when Durham were not very good. Um, and I mean that in terms of they were just above, like, Bees, Watford and Millwall in WSL2. Um, she was their best player. Uh, she's, you know, and she actually got called up to an England under something camp around about that time as well. Um, she She's such an important player for them. Um, and it would be really, she'd be a good one to see in uh, WSL. I think, there, I think there have been offers for her over the years as well. Um, but She's got um, family connections with Durham as well. I think I'm allowed to say that without it sounding a bit weird. Um, but like her mum is in, involved in the club. Her sister, I think at one point, wore the mascot uniform. Um, I think she's, you know, very attached to the club, which is why you kind of want to see Durham get promoted so you can see her ball out in, in WSO as well. But she, she, she's, she's really just one of the best midfielders in the second tier and has been for for years um uh yeah yeah I, I don't know how i didn't remember her name so thank you craig again for that right um we're going to call it time sophie it's okay. it's been a blast I, we were only meant to discuss things for an hour and um this is what happens when you start talking football just imagine if this is like commentating on a game this could have been it I, I, I think a lot of people uh, have a problem when they invite me on. Everything kind of ends up like an American breakfast and there's unexpected waffles. Um, but, uh, sorry, sorry. It's, yeah, um, it happens. Okay, well, right. Well, thank you, Sophie, for coming on. Really Any appreciate time. that. Of course, let's look at this. It's a, a Craig says thanks to Bob. Thank you, Craig, for the... Um, questions and comments really enjoyed it Amir thank you as well uh, so that's it for this on and off the pitch it was football chat no um, no limits we talked about everything and um, I, I'm grateful that Sophie was willing to talk about stuff which was very difficult but also stuff which is fun gold at biennial two-year world cup we need you uh, uh, Sophie, before you go, <laughs> your Twitter handle one more time, please. Uh, I am at Lawson underscore SV, uh, and I tweet a hell of a lot of stuff, so you don't have to follow. Okay, please do follow, just for the laughs. Uh, this is On and Off the Pitch. I'm Rodney Cyrus, and I'll see you guys soon. Bye for now.